Alice Finn on the radio. It's a cooperative art audio and project where we share stories, songs, and jokes, interview friends, and community members of the world. And I should be on the episode of Our Spin on Radio, we saw the people who work with mixed media. Enjoy our discussions, art and life with filmmaker Dave Simons, art store owner Leslie Beatty, and artist May Kazama. With a love of art, please listen to this episode. Dave Simons is a filmmaker living in Williamstown, Massachusetts. He is the director of Diamond Films, a small film company. He has made movies including Cherry College, The Hoy, Boys of and Forgotten Farms. He is currently working on a documentary about Palm Beach, Florida. Thank you so much for, for doing this, Dave. Oh, I'm honored. I'm really, I've been looking forward to it. Oh, good. That's great. I got on early because I couldn't wait to meet everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was okay, really. Probably we were we were practicing some of the uh, some reading, you know, for for the for uh, for your interview. So mm-hmm. um, it's all good. Um, how old how old were you when you started making films, and what got you started? I came to filmmaking a little late. Uh, let's see. I started making films around 2008, and I'm almost 60. So what's the math on that? I don't know. I'm not going to math. I can't do it. Brian could. Brian? <laughs> 48. I don't know. I was about 48. Oh, or 45. 45. But before that, you couldn't really make movies on your own. Why? Because Why? they they used we didn't have the digital revolution yet, and everything was shot on film. Yes, yes. And it was too complicated and difficult, and and you needed real expertise in every area, or else you couldn't do it. And then yes. there was this digital revolution where suddenly you could shoot with some uh, a digital video camera and edit yourself on your own laptop, and that was not always the way it was. I don't know if any of you remember. Yes. I remember because I'm I'm the older generation now, and my parents did make a film, and they have it on the wheel, and they mm-hmm. had the old machine. We we watched it one time. Yeah, you know, it's amazing. My mother only one can use it because she said if if it breaks, we're in trouble. So she 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 doesn't take it out all the time. She does she does it herself. Yeah. So anyway, I, I came to it a little late. I lived in New York. I grew up in the country around dairy farms in Berkshire County in Western Mass, about a way south of you, but still up in the country. And then I moved to New York City and I lived there for 27 years or something like that. And I was an actor and ran a theater company and did a lot of theater. And I acted in movies and then I moved back to the country and I had to make money somehow and I could shoot and edit things. So I started shooting at ed- and editing things. All right. 
my question I have for you is why are you passionate about making a documentary? Well, I am passionate about it. Um, I, I'm pretty good at, I like, there's different aspects to it. I get to sit alone and edit for a great stretches of time. And I don't mind that. I can get very focused on one thing. And then I, uh, other stages of the process, I have to go out and meet people and talk to them and, and learn about other people. And so I like both those aspects of it. And I like to tell stories that I feel kind of passionate about. Okay, there's another question. Um, how, many, how many more documentaries have you made? All right, let's see. I've made three feature length documentaries and I've made probably 30 or 40 short ones over the years. What inspired you to make Forgotten Fog? Well, um, I, uh, I have a really great friend named Sarah Gardner who teaches at Williams College. And when I grew up, I worked on a dairy farm for a little while. Uh, in the summer. I wasn't part of the dairy farm community, but I worked on one in the summers, two summers in a row, and I really loved it. I, and it was uh, very rough, and it kind of taught me a lot about working hard. And, uh, and then I went to New York and came back to my hometown, and most of those dairy farms were all gone. Mm and in their place were sort of new farms. And so I started thinking about, there was there were sort of different attitudes, the new farmers versus the old farmers. And my partner, Sarah, teaches about farming and agriculture at Williams College. And she asked the students to survey farmers and nobody went to any of the old dairy farmers to survey them. And she just, they did a great job, but she said, why didn't you survey the old dairy farmers? And they said, we didn't know they were there. So that made us think we better make a movie that shows that they are there and how important they are. And uh, I don't know, I, I drink milk. Not everyone drinks milk, do you guys? No, I drink almond milk. Okay. And if I don't get almond milk, I get the farm, my, farm, my parents of, of the road. They have like um, milk, you can make yeah. cheaper other than milk. Okay. Cheese. Wait a minute. How about cheese? Anybody eat cheese? Pizza? I, I do. I do. All Where right. That comes from. A that cow. comes from cows. Cow, of course. Yeah. Or it could be. So, and so Dave's question is almond milk for, for me, and I do take pizzas, but it has to be gluten free. <laughs> and have you had Greek pizza? Wait, is that with feta cheese? Yes. I think I have had it. Okay. There's a restaurant in Cardinal named Dennis's. They used to sell Greek pizza over there and a Greek salad as well. Mm. And now it disappeared. You're making me hungry. Hi. <laughs> okay, got that question. Um, what inspired you to make your other films? Well, I'll be completely honest with you. Someone paid me to make the other ones. Money. 
No, I'm that's half true though. Uh, but I ended up getting very emotionally involved in the stories as well. But some filmmakers don't have to make money. I actually have to make a living. I don't have a big pile of money over there to, to lean into. So I have to be careful of how I use my time and, and you know pay so I can keep my house and stuff like that. Um, another question I'm on the X by leave. It um is what is different to make a reg regular movie than than do do like a independent films like you know like other things. Does do you mean narrative films like scripted yes. movies? Yes. Where yes. we act and tell a story. Yes. Versus documentary. Yes. Well, they are different worlds and I've acted, I've made some narrative things where I wrote a script and acted in them. Uh, and I've acted in a lot of movies that were written scripts. And there's, you know, it's wonderful because you, you know, you can use your imagination and tell about any world you want to tell about or any characters you want to tell about. And there's scripted documentaries where they write a, if you've ever seen a Ken Burns movie, those are scripted. So he knows what he wants to tell. He's got a, gotten a writer to write it out. And I make something called unscripted documentaries where I just kind of want to enter a world and get to know the people in that world and then see what the story is. I don't come in knowing already. I kind of know what I want to say, like with Forgotten Farms. I felt like a lot of young people didn't know about dairy farmers who'd been whose families had been living here for over 100 years. And we wanted to tell their story so that but I didn't know what it was going to be. I didn't know who we were going to meet necessarily. And it was a discovery. It took about three years to make it. it takes a long time. Any movie, whether it's a scripted movie like you see in a movie theater or a documentary, there's three main components, which I think is kind of interesting. They call it pre-production, which is planning. Hey, what are we gonna do? Let's figure it out. What are we gonna do? Where are we gonna get the camera? Who's gonna be in charge of what? Then there's production where you get, you get all the footage you need. You shoot all the scenes if it's a scripted documentary or you do all the interviews, you get all the pictures you're gonna to wanna to use. And then there's post-production, which is now we've got everything, let's make it. And each of those three uh, parts are very important. You have to do all three of them very thoroughly. Well, so. what happens when you go to a dairy farm and the farmer says, no, thank you. I don't want to be filmed. Do you? That happens sometimes and you just have to move on. Yeah. Sometimes you just stand around and talk to them for a while yeah. and then they change their mind. Yeah. <laughs> but, but sometimes people don't want to be involved and you have to yeah. just move on. So how long does it take you to edit? And, and edit just it? while we're on that topic, yeah. if somebody doesn't want to be involved, um, <clears throat> you can't have all your hopes on one thing. You have to spread your shots a little bit and have, you know, so, okay, that person didn't work out, but we already wrote down these five other people we're interested in also. So 
if one person doesn't work out, you can move on to the other people on the list. Yeah. So how does it take you to editing? How long does it take you when we done making that film? How long does it take you to edit everything? About three months. Three months, okay. Or more, sometimes more. Outdoors. But I shoot so much. I shoot maybe a hundred hours of footage. Have you milked cows like yourself? You know, I, I haven't. I worked on that dairy farm and they didn't allow me near the milking. I was in high school and not part of the farm community. So I came in right after milking at seven in the morning and they started milking at 530. Try 4.30. <laughs> Where's Farmer's Market did you film in Forgotten Farms? We filmed in Sheffield, Massachusetts, Williamstown, Massachusetts, and Great Barrington, Massachusetts. Those farmer's markets. Okay. Tell us your funny farm stories. Well, let's see. The farmer I worked for, um, he liked to yell at you a lot. Like he yelled at you a lot. That's how he communicated. Have you ever met anyone like that? I have. Okay, me too. And uh, every morning I had to open a certain gate and close another gate. But one morning, or maybe it was when I was leaving, he told me the day before, he said, when you come in tomorrow, do the opposite. Close the gate you always open and open the gate you always close. And I completely forgot. And we were up in a hayfield haying or something. And when I came back from lunch, all the cows were out in the highway. About 120 cows were out on, you know, between the, the barn and the house and the highway. And I freaked out and I ran in and he was have the farmer was having his lunch. And I, I apologized. And I said, I messed up. I messed up. They're out. They're all out. And he didn't look at me. He wouldn't make eye contact. And uh, I and he just walks out among them all and then sits on a hay rake. He was quite old and he had trouble walking. And I'm waiting for him to tell me what to do. And he finally says, oh, just sit down. They'll go back by and by. Have you filmed? No one laughed. He Have said, you? tell us a funny story. And no one laughed. Oh, well, because nobody laughed. I was laughing, but it, I was I would take up all the all the yeah. frames. I guess it wasn't funny enough. <laughs> it was really so, so Dave, have you ever filmed in black and white? I have not. No, I've turned the color film into black and white in editing. Just checking. But I haven't shot uh, black and white. Okay. What are your thoughts on organic milk? Um, I think we should all have choices of what we want to purchase. Okay. I, I don't think it has a significant health benefit, it, uh, either to the environment or to our bodies, to be honest with you. That's milk. Other things are different. I understand um, strawberries, uh, celery, things like that are much better for us if they're organic. The milk 
there's not a lot of science that shows it has a significant health benefit if it's organic. What was your favorite experience making Forgotten Farms? Well, the most fun is when you finish it and you're sharing it with people. And that movie screened all over the country. And we were actually invited to the U.S. Capitol in Washington to show it to about 80 staffers and, and uh, people through uh, Massachusetts Congressman McGovern. And that was a very, uh, very exciting experience. And we all talked about the film afterwards and, and traveling around with it after. It was, it was a lot of fun making it, but a lot of work. I mean, it really, that's what it boils down to is patience and work. And it was a lot of fun getting close to some of these farmers. You all, did you all see the film? They're, they're fun people. And yes. they're, yeah, and they're really smart. And so it's fun to learn about their world and, and uh, their problems and how they overcome them and all these things. So that was a lot of fun. The whole thing was pretty rewarding experience, but a lot of work. It's not fun the whole time. Sometimes you got to do a lot of stuff you don't feel like doing, really. How are your films funded? That, that film was funded through grants uh, from foundations and uh, organizations, and a few individuals contributed. So mm -hmm. most of my films are sort of not-for-profit foundations uh, and individual support. How do you come up with questions for your documentaries? You know what I do is I, I know um, it's different because this, I think, is we're just going to use the, the sound, right, for the podcast. But I have them on camera, and so I want to get them really relaxed. So I really just sort of hang out with them as much as possible. And I talk a lot, even though I'm not going to have me in it. And I see them get relaxed. And then we just have a conversation, like a, a conversation about the topic. It's not quite as structured. Uh, I know what I want to get to, but I, I want to have sort of a uh, relaxed conversation with them. And then you can see them uh, thinking and trying to, you know, and feeling things. Does that make sense? Yes. And are you still making films? Yes, I am. I'm starting to edit one that I've been shooting the last couple of years about a house in Palm Beach, Florida. And I'm starting a new one that kind of picks up where Forgotten Farms left off and it's gonna be about rural communities in New England more broadly. <laughs> and has anyone ever seen the play Our Town? I, I've heard of it. Okay. We're going to do I, sort I, of a I, Grover's I, Corners Revisited. It's a, a play was written a long time ago about a little town in New Hampshire. But it's really about life and, and who we are as human beings and that we don't always appreciate one another and big issues like that. And, and I don't know if you've been following the news this last year, but it feels like Americans aren't really appreciating each other all the time right now. My sister was in our town in high school. Oh, cool, cool. It's a wonderful play. Mm. 
I remember uh, seeing that, I think first, first time live, it was at a high school I was teaching at. I just remember weeping so bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then every time I hear uh, um, Iris the man sing the song, um, it's just, it's a tearjerker. Yeah. So. And what are you working on now? I'm editing this, starting to edit this Palm Beach movie. We just made a little film, a short one, of, about the, the Somali Bantu refugees in Utica, New York, who wanted to farm because in Africa they always farmed mm -hmm. and they wanted to get back to that way of living. And so the Cornell Agricultural Extension Service is helping them do that. And we documented that for a couple of years. And, and I cut a little 15 minute film about that. That's very cool. It's, it's happening in Maine too. Well, we went up there, yeah. uh, Lewiston, yeah? Yeah. Boy, they're a few years ahead of the Utica, New York people. Yeah, I was there right in the beginning of all that, uh, everything yeah. happening there. So, it's really, and you know, now they're on the school board and all sorts of cool things. Yeah. And get the best soccer team in the whole, oh. <laughs> you know, in Northeast, you know? Yeah. So, anyway. Very cool. Very neat. Nancy Scott, you ready to ask? That's all I have. Thank them? you. That's it. Yeah, th those are all my questions. Okay. What are you working on, The Magnificent? That was actually, that was my name in our murder mystery that we did. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, Dave. Uh, yes. One of the things we did is a uh, who stole a cheesecake, and the person we have is on a Mc on a McDonald was supposed to be on today, and she as a a Franklin. Have you seen this film, Peanut Bottle Franklin? What's the name? A Peanut Bottle Franklin. I don't think I have. No, it's all about this Down syndrome boy into a boxing career, hmm. and. Wrestling, Justin. Yeah, wrestling. Sorry, and it's like a, it's like what you've been doing, so similar. Like a documentary. Yes. Neat. About him. That sounds great. I think it's um I think it's on uh, either Prime or um, Netflix right now. I okay. Think, yeah, let's try it. It's kind of interesting. Brian, maybe you'll send me the title. Yeah, I can send you the title. Yeah. Peanut butter. Peanut butter falcon. Yeah, the peanut butter falcon. So okay. Was aboard in the murder mystery. I was a Ronnie McCoy, actually, as a break dancer and make science and appear and disappear stuff. And at the end of the story, we is a sequel to it when Ronnie McCoy was in a cyclone, disappear when all thoughts trying to pick it out where, where, where he was in the cyclone and no able to be found. So mm -hmm. we're doing a sequel after that. Neat. Nancy, it's your turn. Hello. Hi, Nancy. How you doing, Dave? Good. Good to see you. How do you decide what to cut out? 
Boy, that's hard because sometimes, you know, I shoot so much. There ends up being, a you know, a lot of it you wouldn't really want in your movie. But there's so much that's pretty good that it's sometimes very hard to decide. But you have to really, you know, that's the editing process for me is cutting away the stuff you can live without, you know, uh, and getting it down to what you really need, just what you really need to tell the story. And so I do a funny process where I don't really cut out much at first. I, I take everything that might be usable and I sit with that for a little while and go, okay, how's that? And then I go, aha, we don't need any of this because we already said that here, you know, and we don't, we can go right to this other thing. And so it's taking away, taking away until you're left with what's, you know, what's there. And then you have to polish it and make it look good and sound good and all that. So, yeah, you really only want to use what's essential to tell your, whatever your story is. If you want to tell a story about a cat in a tree, that's what the story is about. You should pretty much stay with that cat in a tree and don't go off to the diner or something else too much. You know what I mean? Let's stay with the cat in the tree. <laughs> How do you find people to interview? That's the hardest part. I think that's the hardest part. And uh, I'll tell you, with Forgotten Farms, Sarah, my partner who produced the movie, did a lot of that work for me. I knew some people I wanted to interview, but she had most of the people. And getting them scheduled to sit down and talk like we're doing here is the hardest part. And how do you find them? You have to ask around. How, how did you meet all, the, all of the farmers in the Forgotten Farms? Well, that's a good question. I sort of answered that in the last question. I, you know, Sarah um, knew a lot of farmers around New England. And when you meet it, when you meet one, then they say, oh, you really have to meet, you know, this person over in this other town. And so you go meet them and one person sort of leads to another sometimes. Uh, and we, you know, because I worked on a dairy farm here, I knew a few dairy farmers right around me in our town. Well, thanks for the podcast. Actually, thanks for coming in, Dave. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for coming. What is Theo's favorite subject in school? Art, art, art. Why are most artists struggling with finances? Because they have no money. Why is a painter get arrested because he was framed. What would you call a painting made by a cat? A portrait. Why did the artist get into a fight when the manager at the art gallery? He wasn't present.
in the right frame of mind. With famous painting is always sad. The morning we saw. Leslie Beattie owns the mix on Main Street in Brunswick. She puts together art shows at the mix and she's an artist herself. She sells art supplies and other people's work. There's something that you want that the mix doesn't have, she'll order it for you. Hey, Leslie. Hi. It's Leslie. This is that album spin on radio show, uh, Spin Rocks and Spin Rocks of Sight, both. And I'm going to welcome you to the radio show itself. All we do is asking you a few questions of what you do at the mix. Okay. And if you have time, we can ask you some things. And if it's going to be recorded for the radio show, because it's going to be on Spotify. Nice. If you want to hear yourself, you can. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. I love your outside background, by the way. Thank you. And just telling you, my mom's color, my hair, my mom's hair color is saying as your hair color. No way. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're twins. Oh wow, they'll say false. <laughs> okay, now I'm going to ask you these questions. Okay. Does Brenda Works ever help around at the mix? Um, I would say the answer is yes. Okay. Because um, a lot of the Spindleworks artists come in with very specific requests. And so it helps me decide what to have at the store. That's great. And if I ever need um, like an errand run or something, I know that I could always count on someone from Spindleworks to help me out if I need help. That's great. Yeah. It's telling you, we have a new program in Hollowell uh, Spinworks outside, we nice. could come and pick and check it out again. That would be awesome. I love it when Spindleworks artists come to my store. It's really soup. It's the highlight of my day. That's great. I wish we could all help together. Right. Well, I- did you hear about the call for art for next month? We're doing an art show all about Dylan the dog. So if you've ever been to the store, you might have met Dylan the dog. Next question. Has Epidemic hurt the store business? I'd have to say no. Okay. I'm really lucky because I sell, um, I got approved as an essential business back in April. And so I was able to stay open and I did a lot of curbside in fact, um, I worked with Brian from Spindleworks and we put together some kits for some of the artists. And um, so my business was really busy because a lot of people wanted to do what I was selling, craft kits and art supplies. Has events or shows coming up at the mix? Do I have events or shows coming up at the mix? Yep. Yes. In fact, I just talked about about Dylan the dog. So I oh, have yeah. a call for art for my July show. And so the deadline to bring artwork to me is June 25th. June 25th. And okay. I'm sure that Brian B would be, and Amy, and Amy from Spindleworks too has been really helpful. 
Why do you do for your own art? Ooh, that's a that's a funny question. I do a little bit of everything. I am what I call a fickle crafter. So I love to paint. I use a lot of acrylic paint. I love to work with recycled materials, uh, including uh, felted sweaters. I make a lot of silly things out of felted sweaters that I find at Goodwill or Salvation Army. I love to draw. I love to write. I do a lot of things. How many days is the mix open now? I'm open seven days a week. So I'm open Sunday from 11 to 4, and then Monday through Saturday from 10 to 5. And that's for the rest of the summer. How many days do you work at the mix? Right now, I work between three and five days. So some weeks I work three days and some days I work five days. How many people come in to buy things in a day? I would say between 40 and 100. Wow. The big variation. What is the most popular item at the mix? It really depends on the season. So in the winter, different things sell. But in the summertime, I would have to say watercolor supplies, paints and paper. Where did you start working at the mix? I bought the mix from a woman named Jill in November of 2015. So it's been almost five years. What inspired what inspired you to take over the business? My mama. Uh, my, my mama died in September of 2016. And I was getting a haircut at the mix. And Jill told me she was going to sell the business. And I said, I'll buy it. And so I think about my mama every day when I'm at work. And I thank her for guiding me in that direction. How many hours? Is the Oh my goodness, you're going to have me do math, aren't you? All right, you ready? Six times seven is 42 plus five is 47 hours a week. I think I, I should get a round of applause for that quick math. Do you ever wear a mask when you're, when you are working? I, before I was vaccinated, I wore a mask every day. Yes. What, now, now you, when you're opening the mix now, are you happy there, working there? It is the best part of my day. I love going to work. Yeah. It's my happy yeah. place. Is, is it hard to own your own business and buy things, what you need? It sometimes is hard. Uh, when I need to make sure I have enough money, just like in regular life, right? When you go to the grocery store, yeah. you want to buy everything, yeah. but you can't because you only have yeah. enough yeah. Much money. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like that. If somebody wants something and, and can't get the store, could you buy it for them? Yeah, so I do special orders. And so if you okay. have a special notebook or a special pen that you really, really want, and I don't sell it, you can let me know and I'll mm -hmm. order it and then I'll give you a call or email you when it comes okay. in. Now, now if, if the, now when you open now, do you have a lot of people coming now to your business? 
a lot of people have started coming in now that summer is here. So business has been okay. getting busier. Yes. Yeah. Um, do you do, do you do any more shows there? Like for our work, your people will come in and show their work to you and you hang them up or do you still do that? Yes. And so I'm hoping that some of you all will make some art for next month's show. And the theme yeah. is still in the dog. Um, you remember yeah. Nancy Barron? Yes. She's going to have a show yes. in September. So you'll have to come see her work in September. And, and, and also, um, do, you, do you take a commission? When I, so when I, yes, I do. Usually I do a 40, 60, but um, for July, I'm doing 30, 70. So okay. I'll, I keep 30% and then the, the artist gets 70%. Okay, not bad. Okay. Do you sell your artwork in other stores? I used to before okay. I owned my own store. Now I, I only sell my work in my store. What is your favorite art project that you have done? So I did a project last year for a dear friend of mine and I, I painted a picture of her cat dressed up in a coat of arms in an Egyptian like Pharaoh hat and coat of arms. And it, and I painted it, I recycled the canvas and get this, it was a canvas with my wedding picture on it. So underneath that cat is my wedding picture. That's my favorite project. <laughs> Did you go to school for art? Nope, I didn't. I loved art and I used to make art all the time. I was always making things and then I went to school for business. So now I own a business and I kind of know what to do. So it was a good idea. What did you do? What did you do before the yeah. I raised three daughters. So I stayed at home with my girls and I had a business with my sister-in-law, Hannah, who owns Hatch. We had a business called Beatty Chicks, which is our last name. And we taught art classes to oh, young wow, that's cute. and adult women. So we did that and we sold our artwork at different art fairs and craft shows and different stores. What a hard to leave your sister when you had the business. It was, uh, it was hard because we had this really cool thing going on and yeah. it was a big change. And you all know that change is sometimes really hard, yes. but it opens up yes, a path for something else. Yes. That's a good question, Kimmy. Yes. And um, were you nervous to own your own business? Yes, but I really felt like it was the right thing. You know how sometimes you get a feeling that a choice is definitely yeah. the right one? Yes. I knew it yes. in my gut. It was yes. the right thing to do. Kimmy, did, did I... you have another question? Yes, and what happened if it didn't work out? What would you do if the store didn't work out for you? And, if it hadn't worked out? And, uh, yeah. Um, I probably would have cried. <laughs> uh, I would have been sad. Um, yeah. but 
again, I would have had to understand that change is happening yes. all the time, right? Yes. All right, can I ask you all a question? Okay. Sure, go ahead. What was the best thing that's happened to you just today? What's the thing that made you the happiest today? Um, for me, it was making clay today. Making clay? Yes, I made the more than one thing today. Nice. It was amazing. All right. Nancy, how about you? Interviews. Oh, nice. Nice. How about you, Justin? I made a flag for Spanish upside of three different things I like. And that's it I did. How about you, Colby? What, what was the best thing today so far? I'm enjoying the weather. Nice. Great. Thanks for your time. And I was hoping we can see you again soon in person. I hope so too. That would and be and probably we can do a group outing. That sounds like a, a good time. Maybe we can make art together. Yeah, good idea. All right. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank welcome. you. Have thank you. Bye-bye. You Bye. too. Bye. Nay Gazawa is a multimedia artist and teaching artists born, raised and currently living in New York City. Some of May's work includes sculptural videos and drawings. May teaches people of all ages in New York. So my name is May. Uh, my pronouns are they, them. And I'm an artist and also a teaching artist. Um, I'm from New York City. I was born and raised there and I'm currently based there right now. Um, and I'm a multimedia artist. So I work in with a bunch of different materials. I just, all right. Um, hi. Um, how did you get, how did, how, how did you get into art? Yeah, so. Like, like um, what inspired you to, to go to art school? Yeah, so I actually, I didn't go to art school, actually. I just went to a um, liberal arts college, but I did major in, in studio art uh, in college. Um, but yeah, you asked me how I got into art, uh, and thank you for asking me that. Um, yes. I guess, like, I've been into art since I was very little. Like, I was always making things. I was always drawing things. Exactly, um, exactly how old did you actually start how old i mean i don't know i was drawing since i could <laughs> um it's like i said basically i started since i was like three yeah like whenever i could hold hold a, a something to draw with i was drawing and my mom has kept some of those um drawings my very first drawings um so I always loved drawing. I always loved making things since I was little. Uh, so it was always something that I enjoyed and something that I was constantly doing. Um, and yeah, I in high school, um, I was able to go to a kind of like specialized like public high school in New York City um, that also provides a lot of art classes in addition to 
like the normal um, general education classes. And so I got to learn about a lot of different types of art um, in high school, which was really great. Um, and I also was able to like work with some art nonprofits in New York City in high school. Um, but I actually didn't, I saw it mostly as a hobby. I didn't really think much of it until I went to college. And even my first two or so years in college, uh, I was pretty much um, a bio major. But around my second year, I had realized that art was actually what I love to do and um, was my way of, of understanding the world. And so I just, it wasn't really a question. I just committed, <laughs> committed to it then. Okay. If you're a teaching artist, do you teach on Zoom or in person? Yeah, so I do both. Um, I mean, right now, I am only teaching virtually because, I mean, coronavirus is still a thing. <laughs> um, but before before the pandemic, I was teaching in person. Yeah. Well, what place in New York? So all over in New York City. Um, I teach at public schools. I teach at senior centers, community centers, museums, um, all, all different types of places in New York City and also with all different age groups. Well, we have Kim who used to go to New York, by the way. Oh yeah? Yep, lived there actually. I wish she can tell you more information. Yeah, Kim, were you in New York at one point? Yeah, I'm from Long Island, New York. Cool. Like Long Island, New York, I'm from. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so what kind of um, when you teach different A group, what do you show them? You know, what she show them how to make. Yeah, so I teach all different types of um of art classes. And um, sometimes I teach the same kind of uh, curriculum to both younger people and older people. Um, but, and when I do do that, I'll usually just kind of rethink um, how I engage each age group. Uh, but yeah, sometimes I teach the same thing to different age groups. Uh, do you um, do, do you, when you do a class, when you teach a class, do you do it for free or you have a charge for stuff? So when I teach, um, I usually work through organizations that will pay me, uh, but the classes themselves um, are essentially free to the students. I did with help with Brian. Now, now before Brian came, I did a coloring book. I showed you the coloring book. Look at it. I have it. Yeah, my, yeah. I'd love to see. In my bedroom. In my other room. So, I, I make these. I make these crazy flowers. See? At home. On the paper. Oh, nice. I draw my flowers first, like on the paper here. Like this first. Mm -hmm. Then I cut it out strips and then I glue them together. 
And one of the staff members, he's not there anymore. He said, well, you keep drawing your crazy, two, two crazy flowers. Why don't you make a comic book? He said, sure, that's fine, you help me. And he said, yes. Then he left us. Then another staff member helped me make it. You know, and last year, Brian said, I want to make more because it was sold. And Brian and other staff thought I'd make it better paper. You know, so this is my drawing I made from the book. Oh. And I said, I said, a book for a book to color for all ages by Kim Christensen. He said, Amazing Grace, because it was amazing. I can do these things. So see, these are all yeah. my drawings I make all by hand. I love this. And Brian helped me, you know, help me copy for me, you know, in the printer, because that. Our computer was the Akinab. You know, we have one day good day, one day bad day. So I went to the flow. You helped me. I made these. Nice. Yeah. And then I made um this one here, this one here, this the left one. You love. You know, you can see it. That's super detailed, yeah. Yes, it is. Yes. And all them, all these are all all by hand, you know, all by hand, nothing but trace. Mm -hmm. I can relate to that because I, yeah, I'm usually a very manual type of person yeah. too. Yeah. That's beautiful. So I, so I tried to, somebody asked me, I was drawing, I was drawing something for somebody. He asked me, oh, can you draw me one? I tried to, it didn't, it was a, didn't turn out good, it was a mess. I said, I can't do that, you know? I can't copy from another copy because it's from, you know, it just came out when I saw drawing them. So that's my problem I have. It's copy things, you know. What made you inspired of these objects of the beginning? Yeah, well, before I answer your question, Justin, just want to say, Kim, I think it's yeah. awesome that you made that into a book. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So when great. we had the when we had the lockdown, you know, last year and this year, you know, until we come back to help doing stuff and go to, I'll, I'll, I'll make these, you know, at home, you know, like I make some big ones too at home too. Mm -hmm. So that's my project I do when I couldn't go nowhere. Yeah, I mean, I've also been working from home too uh, during yeah. this whole pandemic lockdown yeah. you know, situation. Yeah. And yeah, I think most of the drawings that um, Brian would have showed you, yeah. I made those at home too. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Justin, you asked what inspires me. Yes. Um, so yeah, for the drawings in particular, uh, I was thinking a lot about my time in Japan. So I lived in Japan for a little over a year, a couple years ago. Um, and I got to learn more about uh, my background, my family. Um, and I also just got to reflect a little bit more um, about some rituals and traditions around um, grave sites um, and ancestors. And so I'm thinking a lot about that when I was I'm making those drawings. You and me may have been doing a similar art pictures, maybe. 
You think it's saying pet toss? I, I've been doing door pet toss, like a gate. There's a portals I've been doing, different kinds of portals, like fireplace, a hat. So I mean, do you mean you, you've been also creating drawings of like doors or gates or objects? Yes, places? yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, um, yeah, doors are often show up in my work, um, or like portals. I'm also thinking a lot about space, yeah. I want to know, did you sell your work or just the work that's for you? So I, yeah, I have sold work and I do sell work, um, but I never make artwork thinking I'm going to sell it. Yeah. If that makes uh, sense. If you want to do sell it online or in stores or something, you can. I could, yeah, but I guess my art um, just, my art comes from my curiosities and it doesn't come from wanting to sell. Makes sense. What is your favorite restaurant of all times, May? My favorite restaurant? Yes. Oh. Maybe hmm. have. That's a hard question. My favorite restaurant. Okay. I do. I do love food. Well, I do too. I'm a healthy person, by the way. I, I eat a lot of salads a lot. Yeah, I I love healthy foods too. I will okay. I know my favorite my favorite restaurant. Well, it's actually in Japan, um, and I used to go to it all the time when I was there. Uh, okay. It's almost more so like a diner. Does food inspire you making these pictures? Mmm, does food inspire me in some ways? Actually, okay. I think it does because. Like in some of my drawings, I think about um, some like, uh, what is it, candies or like things from my childhood or memories um, that I include in my drawings. Um, so yeah, sometimes yeah, food does make its way into my work. Okay, where do you go to make these pictures? So all of the drawings that you saw I made in my room uh, where I live in New York City. I did, the, I did the same thing, madam. I did the same thing. Yeah, I don't have a studio or anything. Yeah. Oh, well, I have an office space over here, and I got a studio down, down in Harlemville. That's so great. You're living the life. Like always. Yes. <laughs> I'm a fairy tale person, by the way. I watched a TV show called Once Upon a Time. Yeah. And that made me inspired from pictures. Oh, so you get a little bit of inspiration from like TV shows or media. Yes. Yes. Mm. You would like that show too, by the way. Oh, yeah? You think so? Yep. Why? Why do you think that? Well, because they did like a two rounds, by the way, in Chantiforest slash Storybook Maine. It took place in Maine, by the way. And it's like a two different boys. And they have a, they stuck in town like in 28 years later. And then they don't even know each other since back then. And they made a connection of relatives as well. 
Let's say the liquid of the rest is relative to the evil queen, the sisters. And Peter Pan is a dad of Ron Batuskin. It's like a crossover thing. There's like a lot of different characters and stories coming together. Yep. And they think they're relatives, by the way. Mm. But actually, they can kill each other, like maybe some sauce and squeeze, daggers, and all of that. But it's like literally from Lost. That's like a whole mashup of different stories. Yes, yes. Yeah. So he would like that show too. Yeah. Well, the mashup kind of idea does intrigue me because I feel like, yeah, I do tend to mash up a bunch of different things together. Well, what I did today is that Eva Queen and Emma Swan making art at the program. So, Meg, Meg, what do you do now? What kind of thing do you do? Uh, do you work now? Yeah, so I, I work as a teaching artist right now, too. Uh, and I'm also making my own work, my own artwork, too. So what do you teach at? What do I teach right now? Yeah. Uh, so right now, I am teaching through a organization um, in New York City. Uh, and I'm teaching a class for seniors, mm-hmm. um, doing a class about kamishibai, which is a traditional Japanese storytelling art form. Yeah, and then I occasionally also teach through another organization um, and teach at public schools in New York City. Mm-hmm. I'm also working through a museum as well. Uh, what, what, what museum? Uh, the Brooklyn Museum. I've never been there. I went to the... I've been to the big one in in New York City. Maybe the Metropolitan? Yes, that one I'm going to do. It was a long, because I went a long time ago with my family and my aunt and and my uncle and my cousin. And we had to go take a break, take a lunch and come back. So, so big. I know that museum is so big. You definitely can't see it all in one day. Um, But yeah, the Brooklyn Museum is great too. Mm. Yeah, if you're ever in New York again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's a good question for me, by the way. My wife town in New York, you live, by the way. So right now I live in Queens. Okay. New York. Mm-hmm. Queens, that's a good place. Yeah, have it's you, a good place. Have you seen any Broadway lately? Have you seen, like, plays? On stage? Oh, I have not. Um, only mostly because, you know, it's still COVID and I don't think a lot of theaters are open. I don't think so either, though. And plus, yeah. plus Justin, it's expensive. When, when I lived alone in New York, when I'm in New York, I never would start playing because it's not cheap seeing playing now. Yeah, I've never seen a Broadway play. For musical. Um, now you come up with these pictures. It usually starts with just a couple things on on the page. And those first couple of things are usually more intuitive. Um, and they'll be, you know, after I look at and also um, study some like photographs that 
that I've taken or reading um, some materials that I'm interested in. Uh, and then after that initial part of the drawing, um, I just build around it. And I think about all these other uh, references and things from my life um, that I think are connected. And I try to piece them all together. Makes sense. I do know what you're doing uh, these pictures. Yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting question because I wouldn't say, right, that I, or let me say it this way. I don't create a drawing knowing how it's going to look like in the end. Right, I so did the same that's thing. part of the process. I did the same thing. Mm hmm. Yeah, because a lot of the and maybe this is the same for you too, Justin, but a lot of the the making of a drawing is when you just think about everything and think through everything. Oh, I did uh, Beauty and the Beast both one time. And that made me thought of it. Is that another drawing that you made? Uh, Beauty and the Beast. Oh, Beauty and the Beast. Oh. Oh, you thought of that when you saw this? Yes. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Yeah, I could see that reference. But I was not thinking about that when I drew this. Oh, what were you thinking? What was I thinking about? Yep. Well, for this drawing in particular, um, I made it the week after uh, the, um, the shooting in Atlanta. Um, and yeah, I was thinking a lot about that and also, um, the other, like, AAPI, Asian American woman in my life. Um, so yeah, that's mostly what I was thinking about with this drawing. Makes sense. I want to go to New York some point. Yeah, whenever it's safe for you to come, you should definitely swing by. Okay. You should go to the nightlife when the when, when the night if when they had all the lights. The light at nighttime, so nice. Oh, I stay over there by the way. In <laughs> Kim, you enjoy the nightlife? Yes, yes, I like the one where they have the like the lights on and the town so bright. Because I used to go to my friends. We used to go to take a train and go to the city. Mm -hmm. yeah, from, I always wanted to go to Times Square. Yeah, Times Square, thank you. Oh, Times Square is a bit much. It's yeah. it's quite, it's, it's not the best part of New York, Times Square. No, we're not. Even though it's the most famous. No. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Mary. Oh, it was yeah. nice meeting. It was nice meeting you all. I love your work. It's so amazing. Oh, thanks, Kim. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for sharing your work too. It was great. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, right, Kim. Bye, Justin. Bye, bye. bye everyone. Bye, bye Brian. Bye. bye.